Dan and I are back with a regular Sunday podcast for the first time in a while. Um, I appreciate everyone sticking with us. We've been trying to figure out like weird recording issues. We've had weird scheduling stuff. Dan was at Frog Hollow last week and stuff. We've been in St. George for states and whatnot. So uh, we're really finally starting to settle into the off season. And um, we hope you guys will stick with us. Um, you know, like, I, I hope this can be like a warm, comforting reminder of the, the bike season when it's, you know, a bleak February sunset at 4.30 p.m. You know, and, and I'm actually excited because I really do have a lot of topics that I'm really interested in that I think the winter is kind of a good time to cover them because they're kind of more, a little more general and less specific because usually we try to keep our topics specific to the the time of season we're in and so forth, you know, but I've, I've got some things I'm, I'm excited to go over this winter. So, so before we jump in though, um, we do want to shout out a couple more people from fog hollow, a couple of amazing performances that we didn't get a chance to go over. Um, and I have to start with one of my boys, uh, Landon Jacob, uh, definitely should have shouted him out in that first episode. He crushed it, man. He is like, um, well, I, I saw Landon out there and he did the 25 hour solo, which is crazy, yeah, you know, to, again. Did a whole episode about it, basically, yeah. but um, so nuts. But and, and I did see at one point he was, he was just, he was struggling at one point, you know, just ready to. He needed a break, and um, but he just kept pushing through. And then when I saw him come through the finish line for the, for the final lap, he he looked great. He had fun, and way to go, Landon! It was awesome. Yeah, he's I'm I'm very proud to claim Landon as, as one of my boys. Uh, he he and uh, he and Evan were at basically every practice I ran this year, so I'll take credit for that performance. And and another cool one too. And uh, Mandy Montague pointed this one out, and I knew these guys were there. I think I even rode with one of them for a while. But um, but Reese Tillman and Nolan Reinbolt, I guess they wanted to do like a, a group of four, but those were all sold out, so they ended up having to do a duo. And it and at Frog Hollow, I honestly think the duo is the hardest one out there. Yeah. Because when you go solo, meter, right? yeah, when you go solo, you just ride it slower. Right. But duo, they race it at like race pace each lap, and these guys got at least like ten laps in each, and um, and they're only like fourteen and fifteen years old, and just super cool kids, super cool riders. I was I was so glad to see them out there. So thanks so much for representing us, guys. Oh yeah, absolutely fantastic. Uh, are there any others we, we want to run over? Oh, I, you know, from that race, I'm sure there's others. But again, just a reminder: if if you're aware of someone that's done something cool, you know, draw bring it to our attention because oh, yeah. we do like shouting people out as much 100%. as possible. So, hundred percent, we don't ever want to be stingy with that. Oh yeah. Um, another, I've got a shout out. You know, of course, we are getting into the off season, but there are still there is still at least one more bike race that you can do. Um, we had uh, the the second to last UTCX yesterday, Hillside Middle. Tons and tons and tons of fun. Absolutely loved it. Had a, maybe it was the funnest bike race I've ever done. Um, next week is State Champs, Wheeler Farm. Of all the cross courses you can do, it's the most mountain bike friendly. If you've been maybe kind of cross curious, uh, but don't have a, a you know like the proper cross bike and everything, next week is your one for sure. Um, it'll be competitive. Lots of people will be there. Yesterday was the largest field UTCX has ever had. Um, and it was the largest, uh, like, like overall field and the largest women's field they'd ever oh, had. Oh, cool. That's which is super, super cool. cool. So um, cyclocross is growing. It's fun. Come out and, and knock out one more bike race next weekend at Wheeler Farm. That's my, oh, and I got to shout out Miles won the, the youth division yesterday. 
Uh, he had a great warm up that consisted of following me around the course and heckling me for my whole race. Okay. So I'll take credit for that too, for facilitating the warm up that definitely was the main factor in his in his victory. Um, but yeah, definitely come out and do some cross next week. You know, um, one thing I was thinking about too, maybe as a follow up from our last week's episode, or I guess it was just a few days ago that we actually released it, where we we kind of talked about like non bike topics. Um, Grant Holzberg, his mom went out and bought him a whole big box of grape nuts from Costco. Awesome. Because yeah. of our, our little, little segment about grape nuts we talked about. So yeah, hopefully we're, we're in the pocket of post cereals. Um, so hopefully know. he enjoys that. That box will last him a while. And I do know, um, that Darren balls went to real taqueria last night. Lucky and Darren. yeah, he liked the enchiladas. So, have you heard, did anyone reach out to you and tell you the, their favorite restaurants and their favorite items or no one, no one did a little disappointed. So okay. Well, if you send it out, we'll make it a recurring segment. So okay. you guys, you have to give them to me guys, you know? Yeah. We want to hear your favorite dish at your favorite restaurants. So yeah. share that with us and we'll share it to the group because I just need more food cravings in my life. You know? Oh yeah. No, that's, that's definitely what I need. Um, uh, any other business? Yeah. An, another thing I just wanted to bring, bring out there is, is, um, we're going to be talking more about strength training. Strength training is an extremely important part of training for to be an athlete in general, but particularly a, a cyclist. It's a huge, huge thing these days. Super important. Um, you know, we've had kids for several years. We've had kids do some group training sessions with Art O'Connor it's, um, Wukar. Yeah. Wukar. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's basically world-class strength training for endurance athletes. And we're lucky to have art close by. I mean, he operates out of Mill Creek. He's trained like Keegan Swinson, Alex Grant, Sophia, Ryan Standish. The, the people who crushed the lifetime Grand Prix are his athletes. Yeah. Um, and he offers group classes to, to youth cyclists and um they're fantastic they're really really good really really good one one thing i'll say is like you know you can try to do this stuff on your own but it's probably not going to happen but you know when you pay the money and you have a specific time you're supposed to show up and you've got friends there it's way more likely to happen And, and it's not it's not cheap but it is definitely worth it if you can so um information for that will be coming out soon it's you know if if it's something you can do i i do highly recommend it and i'll be um as soon as that registration opens up i'll i'll let people know it's definitely cheaper doing these group classes than it is how he normally trains people Mm -hmm. you know where it's normally more one-on-one or just in really small groups but when you get like a group of five it is cheaper i have to throw out you guys there's a like it's insane to me that there's a dude on 33rd who is probably the best cycling specific strength trainer in the Western hemisphere. Like there's no way there's anyone better. Like, and and you know how I know that is you look at his athletes, like look at Keegan Swenson and Sophia. Yeah. And 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 even like the kids that are just like the kids that are just legendary and Nika, he's trained most of them. And so his list of athletes is pretty impressive. Everything he touches turns to gold, man. And like Um, Dan said, it's not, it's not cheap. Um, but it's, it's good, but it's money well spent. Yeah. Nice bikes aren't cheap either. So, yeah. So, and also along the strength training thing, I I am going to do another strength training episode soon, but 
next week I've got something I'm really excited to talk about. So in the meantime, go back and listen to episode 20. I can't even remember what I talked about in that, but it was related to strength training and hopefully we did a good job, but go back and listen to that. And, um, that's definitely an important part of your, your winter training. So, um, but yeah, that's all, that's all I have. That's all I have. So today's, today's topic, uh, is an interesting one. You, you kind of ran it by me last night. Um, uh, and this is kind of comes out of a question we got asked, huh? Which is almost, those are kind of my favorite episodes. Absolutely. My favorite episodes. Yeah, yeah. Because I love it when people ask me a question and I don't know the answer because right. then I get to go find it's it out. It's a research assignment for you, right? Exactly. And I, I really like that and I appreciate that. Um, but I was on a, I went on a long bike ride with, with Xander a couple weekends ago, riding around Corner Canyon. And he, he asked me a question and I don't remember exactly how he phrased it, but basically what he said is for me to improve next year, am I going to have to do more than I'm currently doing? Which is such an interesting question. And I should say that like the answer to most questions is it depends, right? But did you kind of settle on whether you lean more towards the yes or no side of that question? Well, um, I, I think that it, yeah, it definitely depends. Ben, it kind of depends on what, phase you're at in your progression and so forth. It's really an interesting topic that I really couldn't find a whole lot of like articles about that given thing, which, which seems like an oversight really, because, you know, it seems like most athletes would want to improve year over year over year. Right. And there's a lot of information on, you know, if you get, if you kind of hit a plateau during the season or something like different magical workouts you can do or, yeah, you know, lots of clickbaity kind of stuff. Um, but I didn't really find a whole lot of just really concise information about how to improve season over season over season. And, and it's obviously not something that like sports science could do in a, in a lab with eight subjects and eight trainers and over six weeks or, you know, I think that's point is worth talking about really quick that like sports science is not great science. Like the scientific process is not super conducive to the way that like you'd have to, it would have to be to study. And and I think there's some things that that studies well, yeah, but nothing that requires a lot of time. Right. And a lot of the success that, that we're going to achieve as athletes takes time. And, right. and you know, it's and just it, so it, hard to eliminate other variables. I think when you're mm-hmm. doing these studies, right. Cause like so, you can study. So a lot athlete, of it like, just has to be observational. Ex- really, and, and, exp- and, and so we should say on the outside of this, that like the science isn't great is what you're saying. basically. Yeah. Right? And in fact, a lot of what we're talking about is just observational and kind of opinion, but I, I don't think it's what we've got. Yeah. So. It's what we've got. And I yeah. think it's, it's useful, <laughs> but that, I mean, that was a really, really good question. And it's yeah. something I don't think we really probably think much about because, you know, most of what we teach and what we do is how to get better from the beginning of the season towards your peak yeah. event. Right. But how do you build on that from year to year to year? And do you just naturally build on it year to year to year or, or does, you know, cause I do have a thought here okay. that like getting better keeps people in the sport. I think that like there's 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 a correlation between, you know, because most kids seem to have maybe a meteoric rise where they go from sophomore to varsity and they're crushing it. And like we've talked about before, success makes hard work easy, right? Like if you're collecting big paychecks, it's much easier to go to work and, you know, work hard and stuff. If you're working and you're not seeing 
returns, that's mentally difficult, right? And so I, I think that this is worth talking about because like it seems like when kids hit the peak and then they start going downhill, not just kids, like professional athletes too, that you get out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that like like that is something that I've gone through. I'm on my second build up now in my cycling career, I think. Because I had I, I got into this in maybe twenty fourteen, right? From 2014, when I graduated in 2017, I got way better, way fast. And then I hit a hard plateau, followed by a fairly precipitous drop. And then COVID happened and it kind of got worse. And since like 2022, the beginning of 2022, I I felt forward, upward momentum again. And it's made it much easier to get back into this. So I do actually think this is worth thinking about because Maybird's like, you know, we've, we've had a hard time like, really conjuring up an answer as to like what is Maybird for. But I think the one thing we can agree on is creating lifetime cyclists. And I think having some long-term positive growth trajectory is a great way to have people stay in this as long as possible. Absolutely. I mean, you do bring up a really, really good point. You know, when you're on the up and up, yeah, it's easy to be in a virtuous cycle, you know, right. where, you know, you're... Even if your results aren't where you want them to be, if you're like positive momentum... You know, even if you're going from 30th to 22nd, you're not a, you're not on the podium yet, but you're you're getting there, right? And that makes the the work and the sacrifices you have to make a lot more like you know it makes the math more like work in your head better, right? Yeah. And so today, um, you know, I want to do a, a separate talk, podcast on like athlete development and kind of the the healthier ways to do that. And that's not exactly what I want to focus on today. I do want to kind of mention a few things along those lines. Um, but I, yeah, so I do want to talk about how we develop as athletes and then, and then kind of talk about how that can continue to develop, you know, year after year, not just from one point in the season to another. Um, as we all know, you know, when you first start out in the sport, you go from like nothing to something pretty dang good, pretty darn really quick. fast, yeah. like within a season, especially usually. for youth athletes. Yeah. You know, and, and it's, it's kind of cute. Cause like a lot of parents think their kids just the most amazing thing in the world because they just get so good at it so fast, you know, but that's just, that's pretty normal. You yeah. know, that, so, sorry if we're like raining on anyone's parade, but like, you know, but yeah, the, the, the first season you get into it, you go from from nothing to something pretty quick. And oh, then the first two or three, even yeah. you're going to see nice, big returns, you know, like. And in fact, like most of us, most high school cyclists actually fall in the beginner category. Yes. You know, when you're still enjoying kind of the beginner games. Oh, yeah. um, but so so let's talk about like let's start with like kind of junior Devo type development because that's different than it is later in high school. Yeah, that's true. You know, we need like like puberty factors in a lot of kids, especially the boys, it seems. And I think a lot of what we talk about on this podcast doesn't really apply to junior Devo athletes. You know, a lot of what we talk about in this podcast is really for those that are kind of taking it to that next, next level, you know, but you know, for, for, and I just want to make this point clear and we'll talk more and more about this. I really actually want to do a more in-depth podcast on this when the new season starts and we have some new listeners and so forth, you know, because I really don't want junior Devo athletes to think they need to do all this stuff I'm talking about. Cause really for them, I mean, it should be a game. 
Yep. It should be play. Go out and ride, sh- fu- ride, have fun, make friends. That's yes. your whole mission. Just go do that. Yeah. Right? You will, if you ride your bike, I don't care how you ride it. It can be as hard as you can. It can be as easy as you can. If you ride your bike, you're going to get faster. Yeah. If you have fun, you're going to ride your bike more. Yeah. It's all about fun. It's all about play. Parents, your 10 year old doesn't need a three hour zone two ride. Yeah, exactly. In fact, you know. um, long endurance rides really have very little benefit for people who haven't gone through puberty. Yep. So just go ride bikes. Yeah. You, you don't need to take your nine year handling skills. Well, and that's one yeah, thing. Like, um, that's probably the biggest focus during that, that mm-hmm. period of time is, you know, from ages like six to 12, your brain, the part of your brain that's responsible for coordination is just ripe and ready for development. And that is the perfect time to really, really solidify good, solid bike handling skill type coordination efforts. You know, that's, that really should be the focus of, of, of junior development kind of athletes. Um, and, and, and at that point, you know, they're naturally just going to get better from season to season. You know, like if you're a seventh grade junior Devo, you're probably going to be better when you're in eighth grade. And then you're probably going to be better when you're in ninth grade. You know, it just kind of happens at that point. Um, so once you're, you know, once you're like more like in the 10th grade. Oh, and one thing, too, let me just throw about the junior, the junior Devo age riders. I mean, you should be really doing all the sports at that point. You know, you really don't have to pick your favorite at that point. Um, You should try everything so that you know when you do land on your favorite, you know it's actually your favorite. Um, You can do them simultaneously. I mean, you can go play baseball one day and ride your bike the next day. Do some trail running. Yeah, you know, just... I would say, like, don't be super invested in, like, results in anything at that point. Like, parents, don't be pushing your kid to, like... You, oh, you could have been on the podium. What were you doing? You know, like that's yeah. for later. You know, one of, one of Joe's favorite quotes is he told me that junior Devo is basically a puberty contest. Oh, it really is. You oh, hundred percent. And, and like, like Andrew, my younger brother, there's this hilarious photo of him lined up with other junior Devo kids. And he is like two heads taller than the rest of them. You know, like there's, it's, it's not like junior Devo, I think is like, here's what a bike race feels like and how it works. And there will be a winner at the end, but like, don't sweat it because yeah. whoever's got the most chest hair is probably going to win, you know? Yeah. So, so then kind of moving on into like high school, you know, like I'm thinking maybe around 10th grade or something. Um, assuming you, you know, you decide you really like the sport and assuming it's something that you want to maybe be a little more specialized in. Or if your parents are forcing you. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I've got, you know, got to shout out my own experience there. Um, you're still going to want to like do multiple sports, but the emphasis is going to shift more towards your main sport, but it's seasonal, you know, like, like for instance, you know, during, during the summer, you're going to, you're going to primarily do your cycling and then, but maybe one day a week you'll do your running. And then in the winter it'll, it'll switch a little bit, you know, you'll primarily do your running most of the time and then or your schema or, you know, but you kind of do it seasonally, you know, you have different emphases, emphases, <laughs> is that it? I don't know. I don't know, actually know. I don't think it's emphases. I know it's not emphases, but, but during different seasons, you'll emphasize different sports, you know, and obviously you shouldn't just do the same thing all season long or you'll, that won't. Or statistically, 
you'll probably end up hating it. Yeah. Even if you can't imagine it now, statistically, that doesn't work. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so, so yeah, you kind of just do it within the season. I, And this is just my own opinion I'm just going to throw out there. seems like when you try to have two main sports simultaneously, it doesn't really work. One's always going to take precedence over the other, and it's usually not the one you choose. It's the one, it's whichever coach is the most demanding. Yeah. Is kind of what happens. So that's why I think that like cycling and Nordic skiing Mm -hmm. or cycling and running or cycling and skiing or just, just sports that they're complementary, but they kind of exist in their own seasons. They don't butt heads that much. Yeah. Cycling in the cross. And and you know what? I think you need to kind of pick an A and a B. And then set the expectation with your coach. Because if you come to us, we've had kids come to us before and be like, look, I love this. This is the B. Lacrosse is the big thing. We're like, cool. Which is fine. Fine. Cool. Great. You know, and but like. Um, but you can't make them both A's. No. Don't. And don't. And, and again, like. Unless they're in different seasons, then you can. There's some sociopath like me listening to this who's like, yeah, I can. No, you can't. And if you can, you're a statistical anomaly. Well, and, and some kids are just good enough general athletes that they can do fine doing both. But you, know? you could Almost always be doing better but, if you picked an emphasis. But I, um, like, like for instance, if you're trying to follow like Maybird's um, training framework that we we, we provide, don't, we don't call them training plans because yeah, you know, training I, framework, training I like framework. That. Okay, um, if you were trying to follow that to a T, and we have some kids that do and have done really well doing that, but you also have like a swim coach and you're doing what he or yep. she tells you to a T. Those two things together are way too much. Oh yeah. So, um, uh, that was a little bit of a tangent, but, um, As, I mean, this whole podcast is just roughly connected tangents. So okay. I, think, I think people expect that. Yeah. Like, like an example of, of switching emphasis would be like weight training, you know, like during the winter, yeah. huge emphasis on it in the winter, um, during the, the race season, it's just a maintenance thing, you know? So I think, I think people get that, but, um, so assuming that you, you, you ride regularly, you show up to your rides, you ride a little bit outside of practice, you know, you're maybe we'll just call you kind of like an above average Nike rider yeah. so forth, you know, like you're going to continue to improve year over year as a junior Devo, just kind of automatically. It's just kind of each season is just going to kind of build on itself. And, um, you know, as you go into high school, that'll probably continue. Mm-hmm. You know, is um, you know, and, and that's assuming that you don't just sit on the couch all winter too, right? You know, because we should say your results may or be, like you will get better. I'm not going to promise that you're going to be finishing higher in every division that you're going to race, but like you will notice that like the group you're hanging with is going faster, and the rides you're doing are getting bigger and and stuff like that. Like you will, in most cases, I can't think of anybody who's like regressed from ninth or tenth grade on. I don't know that I can think of a rider I've worked with who's done that. But that is a good point that that we're talking about like your yeah. fitness. You're going to get better as a cyclist. Not necessarily your results. Correct. Yeah. Your results um, depend on what you decide to race. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, yeah. So up, up to this point, you know, the, your fitness from season to season just kind of just naturally builds on itself a little bit. But I do kind of think that once you're kind of midway through high school, that's not necessarily going to be the case anymore because by then you've been doing it long enough that you're really not benefiting from like the newbie gains or whatever they call them. You know, the beginners, I don't know, there's probably a better term for it, but just that, like how you 
progress so rapidly when you're when you're new it's almost to the like sport. you get a sign-on bonus when you start a new job yeah you know it's like you you don't count on that every year that's a sign-on bonus you know i don't know if that like means anything but that's kind of what i feel like a lot of sales jobs will give you guaranteed commission or sign it's kind of the same way in the cycling world where like don't be discouraged when that stops happening because that's so normal I, yeah i can't think of because because you do kind of reach a point where it it gets harder and you have to be more deliberate to get better. Yes. Deliberate is the correct word to use there. I like that. Thank you. Um, and a, a lot of happens this, this kind of happens around kids kind of like they're maybe their junior or senior year. Mm-hmm. And, and what I think sometimes happens, well, like, like with, with kids senior year, I've seen a couple of things happen. You know, I've seen like kids decide, Oh, it's my, well, they decide it's my senior year. I'm going to make this the best season ever. And so they go from eight hours to 16 hours a week in one season. And they just kind of do too much and they didn't build up to it properly. And it doesn't go well. Yeah. And I've also seen other kids kind of their senior year, you know, they just get involved with so many other things and they mean well, but they just don't have time to ride as much as they used to. And they don't just automatically get better anymore like they used to. They they fall back a little bit, you know. And um, and not to keep jumping in, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, I think, and you can tell me your thoughts on this, if I was coaching someone, if I knew there was going to be significant extra cycling, like outside of cycling stress, like if you're like, hey, I'm training, but this year I'm taking the bar exam, or this year I'm having my first kid, or this year I'm trying to get into med school, or this year... I need to crush the SAT or whatever it's going to be. I, you have to take that into account. Like it, it would be really hard to say like, you know, I'm going to have like for IB, if it's like your final IB exams and stuff are coming this year, like maybe this don't make this the year that you're going to be hell bent on being national champion. You know, like you, you have to be kind of judicious with what you can handle stress wise and I would say, like, if you get to a point in your life, like, I'm kind of to a point in my life where I feel like I'm getting stability. I'm like, okay, let's dive back in and hit cycling really, really hard. There are going to be times in your life, young people who are graduating, when do is do your best in cycling. You just kind of got to go into maintenance mode for a little mm-hmm. while. Which is which is, fine. which is fine. I don't think you you shouldn't be a hellbent, crazy, on a mission, going to destroy it all the time. Like, I, don't, and, I don't know if that... And you, there's a lot of athletes that even take, like, an entire year off. Yep. Um, because they have to deal with something like an injury or LDS missions, LDS missions. That's a really interesting one we get here in Utah when like, I kind of always assumed that that would be a career ender and I could name like 10 guys who have verily, very thoroughly disabused me of that notion. Like, yeah, they, they come back and are able to crush it. Gabe Norder ain't slow. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. Yeah, I've, there's there's a whole, like, Truman Glasgow. Like, there's a whole list oh, yeah, of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so, like, yeah, I, I think just remember that, like, things that happen off the bike will affect you on the bike, too. Or not. I don't know. But yeah. just take those into consideration. Yeah, like, like one year here and there is you can recover from that. Yep. You know, but. Yeah. So, so yeah, um. So, but for someone like, like Xander, cause I think it, it might be a little different for someone like Xander who's, he's post Nika. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, he's really pretty top level. You know yeah. I mean? There's, 
you, you probably don't know a whole lot of people in your life that are a better cyclist than Xander. Well, because your question for Xander, my intuitive answer to that is, like, do I have to ride more to get better? Like, intuitively, you think, yes. But then I consider Xander, I'm like, I see Xander out riding at least every time I'm out riding, it seems like, you know. Um, and you look at his Strava and stuff, you're like, ooh, is, is more going to help, right? Like, because I think for most kids listening to this podcast, uh, yeah, go ride more. But if you're Xander... You know, or if you're, um, you know, who'd be like the Gibbons or something, you know, if you're Nina Martin, I don't know, then it's kind of well, this tricky. So let's, let's talk about the Gibbons for a second. I'm, I'm quite familiar with their training. I know they do about usually about 12 to 15 hours a week. Um, I think, I honestly think for them to do, to have a better season next season, I think they are going to have to do more but they need to do the appropriate amount yeah. of more. Do you think you, if they tried to do twice as much, they would destroy themselves. Right. You know, but if they did about 10% more, I think they would continue to improve, you know? And, and so really when you talk about more, more has to be appropriate, Yeah. which is a super important. More important. isn't a binary. It's not an on off switch. It's a slider. You know, yeah. it's a dimmer switch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so definitely to answer Xander's question and, and for Xander, someone like, you know, like the Gibbons or, or a lot of these, I think a lot of like people that are like juniors going to be seniors in NICA that have been training pretty regularly and working pretty hard and being pretty diligent. Or just like your like, Ben Bigwoods, people just have insane amounts of volume yeah, already, right? I, I do think that, that, yeah, to get better than you currently are, you do have to do more. But today I do want to talk about what more is and what more means, you know, so um, because like, you know, you can um, you can keep doing more and more until you're like limited on time or, you know, when you're doing more, it's got to be like appropriate, like you ramp it up appropriately. And we'll kind of talk about that. Um, But eventually you do reach a point where you might hit the limit where you can't do more and or just more isn't helping. It, well, exactly. It's like where it becomes unproductive. Yeah. Way, right? You know, you can, you can keep ramping it up until it's just not making a difference anymore. And, you know, and then other factors might kind of have to come into play after that point, you know, but, um, so let's talk about like how these type of athletes, you know, like a, We'll say like a junior that's had a really successful year that wants to have a nice, a, a top-notch last senior season of NICA or something, or someone like Xander who's graduated from NICA that wants to keep improving and doing well in like, you know, like some big races like Point to Point and Crusher and some of the national races, like how they can kind of keep progressing year after year. And so let's let's talk about what doing more is. Now, the first thought people might have is what about just doing more hard, high-intensity work? Or like I'm doing the same 16 hours a week, but making instead of 20% of that being high-intensity, then 40% of it's high-intensity. Yeah, intensity. like basically, I my notes I put it like changing polarization, question mark, you know, because okay. um, with polarization, we've talked about polarized training before, something I strongly believe in. Um, but, but how I how I explain polarization is no matter who you are, how much time you have, you should only do one and maybe two, one or two above zone two workouts a week. 
and if you're doing so so like if you're doing four hours you would do one or two if you're doing 20 hours you'd still just do one or two no really quick does this change for time crunched athletes I think this is a good. Didn't isn't there maybe some consideration where if you only have that's what an hour a day? Do you think this changes? You know, if they're only, if you're only training two hours a week, you might get two hours of intense training in that week. But if you're if you're doing twenty, you'd still do about the same amount of intense yeah, maybe, work. Maybe you a would just get more, but you would get a whole lot of other good stuff on top of that. You okay. Know? So, um, so yeah, basically, no matter who you are. One to two. And the reason I say one is because a lot of times we have races and stuff. Mm-hmm. And if you've got a race, that counts as a hard your, workout. Your, 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 your biology doesn't be like, oh, like, oh, your cells are like, oh, we're in a bike race. We're going to act differently now. Like bike races yeah. are workouts. So, yeah. So, so basically two, two above zone two workouts per week. And would increasing that to three be a way to do more? Yeah. I mean, it would be a way to do more, I'd say. I don't know if it's going to help you, but I'm going to tell you that's going to be a temptation because it seems like such an obvious, easy, intuitive, easy way to, to do more training. But what, what would probably end up happening is in the short term, you might notice a benefit, but in the long term, it's really not going to help you. Is this universal or is this most people are going to find that long term adding that third day is going to hurt them or is this like, you know, some people might, some people might not, or is this universally it's going to like, what, what do you think there? I'd say it's a pretty dang good rule of thumb. Okay. That, you know, maximum two hard workouts a week, make them count. You know, if you're going to turn on autonomic stress, you might as well make it count, right? You might, might as well make it hard, but adding, adding a third day, unless it's just occasionally really isn't going to be a whole lot. It's not a good long-term strategy. So, so adding another hard day, I would say is not a good way to do more. Okay. Okay. Um, what about, what about making your hard workouts harder? Okay. Is that a good way to do more? Do you think? I, I, that sounds better to me. I, and you know, I'll, I'll just tell you intuitively, I'd say, yeah, for sure. Like that sounds, that sounds good. Now I know the way that question's being posed makes me doubt myself but i'm gonna go ahead and, and say yes okay and you're right okay um yeah that's a good strategy but it, it's to a point yes to a point um so as we get more and more fit like our hard workouts naturally get harder at the same relative perceived effort you know like yeah so as we get more fit we're naturally doing higher quality work. So to, to say that another way, your 10 out of 10 on the pain scale goes from being 200 watts to 230 watts is what you're saying. Yeah. Right? That like you're naturally you're doing more. And then as you work. do it work at 230 watts, it'll eventually feel the same when you can do it at 250. Yeah. That 200 watts that used to feel like your limit is suddenly going to feel like a comfortable race pace maybe. Yeah. So, so yeah, so you can, you can do more by increase, like by making your hard workouts harder but that's only to a point because like, um, like one of the first things that kind of maxes out is our ability to, to intake oxygen and do exercise with it. Basically our VO two max. Um, 
is one of the earliest things to max out in, in, in professional athletes. You know, you reach a point where you can, you can consume a certain amount of oxygen and that, and, and then it's kind of limited. It caps out. No matter out. how good your willpower is, you know, yeah, you're, you're kind of yeah. there. Yeah. Um, you know, so that, that reaches a limit. Um, another thing is too, is you can, can, you know, a lot of people will, you know, they, they determine the intensity of their intervals by doing like a FTP assessment, you know, like a 20 minute test. And is, as you get more fit, you know, your, your FTP will improve and so forth. And you kind of calibrate your hard workouts based on that. But you're probably going to reach a point where, you know, you take that 20 minute test and you don't see lots of improvements, you know, so you don't, I wouldn't at that point just artificially keep bumping up your, your FTP and making your workouts so hard that they're, they're not achievable anymore. Um, That's a good question really quick. How often should you fail a workout? If you're failing workouts ever, is that a red flag or is it like, yeah, if you're failing every one in 10 workouts, that's normal. If you're failing five in 10, that's a red, like what, what do you think? Uh, just to know if your FTPs set accurately. Yeah. I don't just, yeah, I, I guess to know if like you're, you're calibrated to the right level. Cause if I started doing Nino's workouts, I'm failing 10 out of 10. Yeah. If I started doing workouts that are appropriate, maybe for Tessa, I'm if, succeeding 10 out of 10, right? Yeah. If your FTP is accurately set, you should be able to do most your workouts with difficulty. Okay. So if you're failing workouts ever and definitely consistently, then there's maybe a calibration issue to consider, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, and this is kind of a sidebar, but I, I do encourage, I think it's, it's appropriate to adjust your, your power targets a little bit day by day, kind of based on how you feel. I think a little bit of calibration there is fine, but, okay. um, but yeah, like if your FTP set accurately, your workout should be possible. Okay. <laughs> you know? Um, so, but you kind of will reach a point where, and the thing is too, is like the more fit you become, your FTP gets closer and closer to your VO two max, but you, you will probably reach a point where you're really not doing better when you're trying to take your 20 minute FTP tests, you know? So at that point, how, how would someone in that circumstance do more? I mean, at that point, like, like the thing that just comes to my mind is just find more time to do more work in zone two is, is like, I think, and I'm, I'm, I'm suspicious that that's maybe the answer is just add, like find max out, you know, do whatever you can max out on your high intensity training, you know, don't be leaving anything on the table there. But after that, you just, you know. I don't know. I'm trying to think of a metaphor. Yeah, well, and you did, I mean, did I just, I mean, is that it? Yeah, that's, that was the next point I was getting to. Whoops. But, sorry. Sorry but that is, segue, Dan. Yeah, that is definitely correct. But I would say as far as your, your high, your hard workouts, um, if you get to a point where you, you really can't raise that power, you can basically extend them, you know, like a way to do more is instead of doing like three minute intervals, you start doing four or five minute intervals or oh, instead okay. of like seven sets, you start doing eight sets. And, and so you're, you're basically making them more extensive rather than intensive. Ooh, there we go. So it's a little wordplay there. Yeah. So 
this this really is a, a good way to do more. Um, and it's a way that I think, you know, as, as you build, as your fitness builds year after year, I think you'll naturally be able to make these workouts more extensive. And even though you might not be able to make them more intensive, you're still going to have big performance improvements because we've kind of said it before about professional writers. What really makes a professional writer impressive isn't the power that they can produce. It's the amount of time they can produce that power. Well, cause I, was, I was watching a cross race last night because um, my brain's just cross obsessed right now. And I was wondering because I was watching the start and I'm like, I could probably keep up with these guys for five seconds for sure. Ten seconds, probably. Thirty seconds, uh, ten minutes for sure. No, right? Like, And I, I think that's a good point that like, you know, a lot of people can do world tour power. Not a lot of people have world tour durability. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so let's kind of move on to the point you alluded to earlier. That, sorry about that, by the way. <laughs> that really, the, the biggest way to continue to make long-term improvements in, in our cycling performance really has to do with, with more of our metabolic health, our mitochondrial density, our slow twitch distribution, and how do we do that? Long zone two rides. Yeah. Yeah, there... And the thing about zone two training that there's there's only really one way to train zone two, and that's time. Yeah, like there's no shortcut to Be- training zone two, huh? Yeah, because if you like, if you're like, okay, if I go just a little bit above zone two, that's going to improve my zone two. But it, it doesn't work that way because once you kind of bump above there, you're starting to use more type two muscles, and you're starting to use more carbohydrates for fuel. And so it's like you're still doing zone two, but you're doing some things in addition to it. So really, the only way you can train zone two is time. There's yeah. no shortcuts. Those, those credits don't transfer. Yeah. You know, your McDonald's loyalty points don't work at Burger King, no matter how much you want them to. <laughs> My goal is to come up with as many awful metaphors as I I think that's can. probably the worst metaphor we've ever had on this really? podcast. Is yeah. the worst? I don't know. That's got to be up there. Top five. I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm innovating new heights of badness. Yeah. So, but you know, so, so, but the more zone two you do and the more aerobically and metabolically fit you become, though you can do more work at those same lactate levels, you know, and I've said before, like what's really impressive about professional riders is what they can do while they're at zone two. Like they can right. cruise around all day long, 300 right. watts, right. and they're still in zone two. They're still talking when I'm, that's my interval pace, you know, so. Like I think I'm most impressed by a rider, not when they like get up on the pedals and drop me, but when they drop me while they're trying to have a conversation with me. You know, that's how you know someone's way better than you. Yeah, so, so really, you know, year after year, if you want to keep making improvements, I think, the key is, is really adding time. If you can, I I think it's difficult to do if you can't add time, which is why time crunch training is never, it's never ideal, never ideal. Right. But when you add time, you've got to be really careful how you do it. Like I think most writers, most high school writers can handle eight to 10 hours. No problem. I don't think that that's, dangerous or excessive really i think that most would do fine at that rarely getting in trouble with those hours yeah but i do think if you jump from eight to 16 hours in one season that's yeah, you're, you're playing with some fire there. yeah There's that's probably not going to be not going to go well 
So really, you know, if you want to improve season after season, you really have to be really judicious and, and deliberate about how you do that. And um, it's like, for instance, you know, when you start getting serious into it, you know, say you're, you're eight hours, maybe next year mm-hmm. do 10. And if you're doing 10, maybe next year do 12. And then the year after that, you could maybe bump up to 15. And then after that, I'd keep the increments pretty small, you know, like maybe go up to 16 or 17. And I honestly think around 17, you'd probably start seeing very little improvements. You're just spending a lot more time, very little improvements, and you need to just decide if that's worth continuing to, to pursue that, you know? Well, I have to say to that point, like, I, I think there are kids listening to this who want to be professional cyclists. I don't think it's the majority, but I think, I think they're there. And, and whether you want to do that, or even if you want to be like, I want to win elite I cups, you know, I want to maybe go and like podium at national Sunday. Like if you want to kind of be that, like not a pro, but kind of like a, like a pretend pro with a day job, you're going to have to kind of pick a day job. You kind of have to pick lifestyle factors that are compatible with that. You know, because like there are a lot of jobs that are incompatible with spending 17 hours a week on the bike, you know, um, like that's, it's just something you're going to have to consider. And, and remember that like, it's not like not everyone can do it. And it's kind of a luxury even, you know, you know, it's interesting too, because like I race in the, the expert 40 to 49 category and, and everything. And I'm like dreading going to the 50 plus category because the guys in the 50 plus are faster than in the 40s. Yeah. Because because they have time. Because they have time. Which is the biggest. It's and you. I think I'm starting to realize time is the most valuable thing in the world. And I know that is such a cliche, but like, you know, like, and I was I was joking with with uh, Sam Johnson on the start line of our race yesterday that like the old guys take it so seriously, like they can go and pretend to be pros, and it's like maybe your body is past its prime at that point, but you you've sold your law practice. You know, like you've, you've, you've cashed out your stock options and you're living off your, you know, huge savings account now and you drive your Porsche to every race you feel like doing and you can spend 20 hours a week. Like, you know, you, you could be a super motivated 23 year old, but if you've got to go to class and go to work and have a, you know, have a boyfriend and stuff like, you know, it's like, you're not going to beat the time advantage. I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the time is really, really critical. And, um, and I, and I think a lot of people, you know, when they start, when they start getting busy, you just have to give yourself some grace and realize, mm-hmm. okay, I'm not going to be my best because I can't spend as much time as I need to, to do this, but I'm still maintaining some fitness and I'm going to be okay later and I'll have more time later or whatever. But if you do want to improve, you know, kind of between your junior and senior year, um, you really, you really do need to kind of watch and make sure you're putting enough time into it. Yeah. It, you're not just magically going to get faster because you're getting older. Right. Yeah. To yeah. a point, you know, eventually, mm. you know, people should be school teachers have the whole summer off, you know, it's like over the winter and stuff is when you're working and whatnot. Like, you know, can you imagine just having May to August or whatever? Cause that's an insanely hard job that you're severely underpaid for. But like the lifestyle factors are there, you know, like think about that. Yeah. Should we quit our jobs now? go go teach first grade yeah so so yeah to um basically to to answer xander's question um does he need to do more to get better probably yeah probably. probably yeah um i think i think we need to talk about what more is better and and there's certainly 
there's so many ways to overdo it. Like, you know, if you're, if you start doing intervals three times a week, four times a week, racing too much, it, you're probably not going to get better. Um, you know, if you're jumping from eight hours to 16 hours in one season, it's probably not going to go well. You know, you need to do more, but the more needs to be appropriate. And that's something I would, if, if anyone's interested in kind of bringing it to the next level, I'd be happy to answer any questions or help a lot, you know, just make sure that's done wisely. Um, as far as improving goes from season to season, there's some other factors too that we didn't really talk about. I mean, I would say time is probably the biggest one. Um, and, and I don't want to take away from that at all. Let's, let's keep that in mind, but there's some other things too, like, um, you know, one thing too, is just making sure that our training is, is purposeful. You know, we're not just noodling around the whole time. We're either, you know, we're either kind of doing zone two work or, or really, really hard quality work that's going to move, make us faster. Um, continuing to work on our, our skills, our pedaling technique, our efficiency. Like once you've maxed out your FTP and you've maxed out your VO2 max, efficiency is kind of where you kind of go from there. You know, like efficiency arrow on the road. Yeah. Like economy. That's, that's, that, I mean, the pros spend a lot of their time thinking about that because they're, they're 98% to the ceiling. Exactly. Where we're 50% to the ceiling. Or yeah. 20. I don't know. Uh, another one I want to throw out there is like working on our weaknesses. Because like when you think about it, weaknesses are actually kind of cool because like a lot of times like our strengths, we might, they might be strengths because we might almost be at our potential in those areas, areas, but our weaknesses are just places where we have a lot of room for improvement, you know, and, and if you're able to improve your weaknesses, that's like a lot of room for, for growth, you know, yeah. and, so if you're a good sprinter, don't work on your sprint, work on the long climbs that you're getting dropped on. You're like, I'm super guilty of this. Like I need to climb more canyons, you know, like I'm bad at efforts like that. Um, if your sprint sucks and you're spending all your time climbing canyons, maybe work on your sprint, you know, like find, find, you know, and it doesn't have to be like an either or yeah, you can work on both, you know, like exactly, you, you, yeah. can, you don't give up on your strengths. You, you. You stay strong at them. Make sure but you, you can, can capitalize on them. Yeah. Make sure that you would you do drop people in the canyons. But like, if you're losing races in a sprint all the time, work on your sprint. You know, yeah. I can't believe. And this is like people are everyone's guilty of. Do, I mean, it feels good to do what you're good at, but in the long run, it's going to serve you. Oh yeah, I naturally want to do intervals that I'm good at. Yeah. You know, like I've been trying to get Dan into a cross race so hard all season, and he won't do it. You know, because he wants. He's like, no. Well, I wanted to go and ride to the moon. You know, like whatever stupid ride you've dreamt up, like. You know, I've been doing your long rides. Now you got to get out of your comfort zone. And next week, Dan's going to be at Wheeler Farm. I just committed you. I just fall and told you you're doing a cross If the weather's bad, I might. But (laughs) I I actually got a really cool ride in mind that I want to do before it snows. Okay. I'll have to tell you. But but another thing, too, to make sure we're progressing season after season after season is just general smart training principles. Like... Like during your season, you got to make sure you're, you're including enough rest and recovery. You got to make sure you're taking your, your mid season break, your off season, sleeping enough. Um, yeah, because, you know, because if you're not doing those things, sustainability is going to kind of become an issue. 
you know, so just make sure that you're doing just all the things we talk about all the time, just really smart training. Um, I, I think what you do in the winter is super important to make sure you're progressing season after season, because if you spend the entire winter backsliding every winter, um, you're not going to be where you could possibly kind of a Sisyphus be. Sisyphus experience pushing the rock up the hill forever. I think that's Sisyphus, right? I have no I idea. Don't know. You, you know what I'm talking about. I right? know what you're talking about. Um, and, and then, you know, and others like strength and physical therapy. You know, you've got to have a body that can handle year after year progressing and so forth. So those are super important to kind of build on that platform. But <coughs> sorry about that. Um, but yeah, so, so yeah, to answer Xander's question, to keep improving, yeah, you do have to do things different each year. You're, you are going to have to, to do more. Um, but we just need to make sure that more is appropriate and healthy and good and so forth. So, yeah. There you go. We just spent like 50 minutes answering a question, which I think is pretty cool. Um, and, and like, like Dan said, like ask questions like this, you know, I, I can't promise everyone's going to get their own episode. Um, they might, they might, you know, like, um, we, I think have covered a lot of stuff. I think we're going to start increasingly to like recover stuff and review stuff and maybe question our older assumptions and take new knowledge and in, in, uh, into account. But like, if there are questions that you have, please ask them, you know, if there's food that you like, please tell us, you know, like we need content, please. <laughs> um, so yeah, don't, don't be afraid to send that our way. Like I said, can't promise it's always going to end up on the show. Um, but, um, yeah, ride more, do more. I mean, this is it's the joke stands. It, the answer to every question is do more zone two. Um, but I guess this kind of turned into a zone two episode, didn't it? Every episode's a zone two episode. You know, we're, we're, we're formulaic. Um, is there anything else you'd like to run over Dan? Uh, no, just uh, have a fun winter, lots of variety, be happy. Oh, if you want to sponsor us, please sponsor us. Uh, if you have money, we want it. Uh, give us <laughs> your money. Um, I, I hope, Dan and I think we might have isolated the issue that was causing the weird interference uh, problems we've had. I'm hopefully not going to have to do any cuts to this episode. Um, I know the mics still don't sound amazing, but if you have money that you'd like to give us, I'd love to spend it on some better gear because, you know, you got to do whatever we can to make Dan and I sound less worse. Um, <laughs> so yeah, ride more in zone two, be safe, uh, you know, enjoy the last fleeting bits of outdoor riding before it's over. And we will talk to you guys next week. <laughs>